Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Well, hello. Welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm Harmony. And today we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, Usually we have an interview with a guest, but today I thought I would try something new And if you're here with me, then I hope that you enjoy it and it just brings some inspiration and enriches your week. So I'm going to do a little solo talk, a little solo episode about some things that I've been thinking about, some things that have been on my mind and yeah, maybe they've been on your mind too. I would love to hear in the comments um, if this touches you or if it's something that speaks to you. And if you enjoy these little solo episodes, um, I'll do more of them and just bring you into my world and what I've been thinking about. So I've actually been reading this beautiful book, Ritual as Remedy, Embodied Practices for Soul Care by Mara Branscombe. We did a podcast with her back in January. You can listen to that podcast if you'd like. I think it was episode 148 or something like that. Um, But yeah, you can scroll back and listen to that episode. But here in her book, um, quite a ways through, close to the end, she's talking about how the sacred moves through us and cultivating faith, the spiral journey of the spirit. And I wanted to read to you a little bit about what she's written and then talk about what sort of it's inspired me and why I felt called to read this today. Because for the past several years, um, I felt like I've been evolving and on a bit of a different spiritual path, a different spiritual journey, maybe not a different spiritual path, possibly it just is the spiritual path, path as the spiritual journey, the sacred journey of spirit. And that's really what this is talking about, what Mara is talking about in this passage Uh, How, no matter where we are in our evolution, no matter where we are in our personal development, in our spiritual practices, in our self-care, in our ability to reflect and introspect, it's all a part of our journey and a part of our inner spiritual experience and a part of our waking up. So I'm going to read to you a little bit, and then let's talk a bit about it. As you mature naturally through life experience, so does your relationship to personal faith. Be it secular or religious, whether it's found in nature or at the church, be it under the light of the full moon's call or gathering for a sacred meal, your faith may be found inside the quiet of daily meditation, or in your evening prayers. Be it fire ceremony, sweat lodge, tea ceremony, yoga practice, playing music, ecstatic dance, or kitchen dance parties. Be it your journal practice, turning pottery, or summiting a mountain. What is your conscious practice where you build your house of faith? Where do you fill yourself up on a soul level? What consciously and wholeheartedly lights you up and brings you lasting joy? 
It is a truly personal and unique experience to call forth your core values, find the faith in which they exist, and devote to this practice. If you do not have faith, you risk losing connection with your elder wisdom and the deepening of an embodied joy. You open yourself up to a path of resentment and negative bias, which leads to limiting habitual patterns. Through faith, all of your life experiences begin to weave together and make sense. You grow to be at peace with all of the choices you have made. Honor your life journey as a spiritual quest, flowing in and out of the literal to the symbolic realms, working with the daily tension between effort and ease, productivity and grace, levity and gravitas. This becomes the process, the daily work, and the journey. You are not alone on this journey. When you can follow the path of faith that truly lights you up, holds you in your sacred power, gives you freedom to be who you are, and connects you to a higher power. This is the path of the modern mystic. So that was the passage I wanted to read. And part of what stuck out to me was this idea of the tension between the effort and the ease, the productivity and the grace, the levity and the gravitas. We talk a lot in the Ashtanga yoga practice about the balancing, right, of the abhyasa and the vairagya, the practice, and the non-attachment, or the holding on to and the letting go. And in between the tension of these two is where the practice really exists. This is where spiritual development um, takes place, takes root. We can't let go all the way, but we also can't practice or um, put forth so much effort that it becomes mm, mechanical or a burden because then it's not something that's bringing joy or lighting us up. It's not allowing us to sink in and touch that infinite wisdom or that infinite pool of joy. It becomes something that is a chore. And who wants to do chores? And honestly, this is one of the reasons why I don't like thinking of my yoga practice or any kind of spiritual discipline or spiritual practice in my life as being something as routine as brushing my teeth or cleaning my house, something that has to be done. But I mean, honestly, if I could outsource it, I would, right? Um, if you could outsource your yoga practice, would you? What would be the point of that? I want my spiritual practice, whether it's yoga or meditating or pranayama, breathwork, I want it to be something that helps me feel embodied that helps connect me to that internal temple of spirit that is something that enlivens me and quickens my spirit and that I feel passionate about, that I feel excited to do every day. Um, if it's not something that is bringing joy or deeper connection or a moment of stillness and silence to go within, then I'm not sure 
if it's really doing the work that it's here to do. If it's something as simple as brushing your teeth or cleaning your house or brushing your hair, I mean, you know, it's not nurturing in a way, deeply nurturing. And I want it to be something that's deeply nurturing and something that's, that's helping me thrive in the world. Um, not just something that I'm doing because I've always done it or I need to do it or I feel like I should have to do it. Um, I don't think that that kind of forced energy or feeling is actually that helpful. I think eventually when we feel um, that forceness, things start to drop away because it's not truly enriching or coming from a space that is helping us to grow. It's coming from a place of should rather than I want to. And this is a very personal thing. Um, What I loved about this passage also was that there were so many options for spiritual practice. You know, it can be prayer or meditation or puja or a kitchen dance party or out walking in nature, communing with nature, or lighting a candle, taking a few moments to listen to your breath, to feel your heartbeat, to go inside, to go a little deeper, to create a bit of space for yourself in your own life. And I think when we engaged in these soul-fueled practices, we allow them to really help us become embodied. And they bring us home to our heart again and again. And whatever we do, whatever the path is, it's learning to take that same path back to the heart, back to that deeper space within daily with consistency and dedication And it doesn't have to always be the exact same thing, I don't think. I think it can be a walk through the forest. And it can be singing a song that lifts your spirit. And it can be connecting with your fur babies (laughs) or your family. And it can be meditating. And it can be practicing asana. And it can be pranayama. But creating that time to go deep, to go within, and to walk that path back to your heart center regularly is what's going to help us to find the resiliency to weather the storms of life. And you know those storms are coming, right? They keep coming. So over the past three years, I've been taking time to explore different ways of connecting to spirit, to walk down maybe roads less traveled or not traveled as frequently as I may have in the past. You know, I used to practice two, two and a half hours of asana a day, an hour of pranayama, you know, sometimes an hour of meditation, at least 20 minutes of meditation and journaling and doing a lot of personal development. I've been doing this practice and on this path since I was in my early 20s, since I I actually turned 20. Um, So we're at about 25 years now of spiritual practice and self-development and personal development. And um, 
you know, traveling around the world to meet gurus and teachers and spiritual guides and, and not just in the field of yoga and Buddhism, but all fields connecting to teachers, any teacher, every teacher who was teaching spiritual wisdom over the last 25 years is somebody that I was interested in learning about or a practice that I was interested in understanding or learning about in some way. But often these practices were things that I would maybe try once or twice, but not really take on, not really integrate into my own routine. Because really there's only so much time one person has in the day, right? If you're already doing almost four hours of uh, personal development and spiritual practices and then teaching and, um, you know, traveling and doing all the things, it was, uh, I had enough. I had a lot on my plate. But over the last few years, and a lot of it thanks to this podcast, it's just been such a pleasure to connect with people who have different spiritual practices. And their practice doesn't just look like primary series, intermediate series, advanced series, and diving into what makes a practice spiritual, what makes a discipline, a daily discipline of connecting to your inner spirit, something that is transformative, something that moves you beyond yourself. And I think it really becomes a practice or a routine um, of making a point to access that stillness within, whether it's through prayer or meditation or asana or breath work, pranayama, whether it's reading poetry or writing poetry or writing in your journal or doing nothing, watching the sun come up and just being at ease and connecting to that stillness, to that silence within. But it has to be done with a sense of enjoyment because the path itself becomes the process. The path itself is the unfolding of our spirit. And sometimes when we're being pushed by ambition in a spiritual discipline or practice, and this can show up in all different kinds of ways. It can show up easily in the asana practice. We can see how it shows up there, but it can also show up in meditation or pranayama. Look how long I can sit for. Look how disciplined I am. I sit two hours every day. Or look how long I can hold my breath for. I'm so disciplined. I can hold my breath for a minute every, you know, day, many, many times a day, or whatever it is, right? Um, that in itself kind of is a, a tainting of the spiritual practice. It kind of sets us on a different course where it becomes about achievement rather than being, right? It, it starts to move into the doing. And then we're checking boxes. Okay, I did it. I did it. Check, check, check. And I totally know what it's like to want to just check those boxes and be like, okay, I did it. I'm done my spiritual practice for today. Check, check, check. But what I found in the last few years going through the ups and downs of life as we all have is that really the sacred pause is where our consciousness meets this universal life force, this universal life energy. And this sacred pause lives inside of us. 
It lives inside the earth. It connects us to our ancestors. It's the beat of our heart and the space between those beats. It's the space between the inhale and the exhale, the space in our breath. And it's with us all the time. It's with us all the time. And it's tuning in or bringing presence to this pause, realizing that there really is nowhere to go, that we don't need ambition to get us anywhere, to become more spiritual or to become enlightened or connected more deeply to ourselves or to a higher version of ourselves or to a higher power. There is no moreness. It just is. Infinity is present all the time and it's all around us. And it's within us. And it's about just taking those moments, those tiny moments to listen. Those tiny moments to connect to that space, to connect to the silence, to connect to the pause. And just be, just be there, be present. And so, yes, all of these tools, whether it's asana or meditation or pranayama, are very, very helpful, right? They're helpful for tuning our instrument so that we can become more attentive to that pause, to that space, to that flow of the universal life force within us and all around us. And so, yes, they're helpful and we need them. And I'm so, so grateful for all of those deep years of being completely devoted and focused on spiritual growth and practice and Ashtanga yoga and all of the things. But like everything, this path is a spiral journey, right? Um, and I love that image of the Nautilus shell, the Fibonacci sequence, the golden spiral. I love that golden spiral. You know, wherever we go, we keep coming back home again and again, right? Wherever we travel off to, we're always finding ourselves in that place, in that space. And I think that that's really what happens on this spiritual path. And, and then we realize that there's nowhere we can't go or nowhere we can go where we are not, right? We're always there. And just like there's nowhere, God is not. God is at the temple and God is at the pub and God is in our home and God is outside of the city in the great mountains and in the oceans and it's all around us. And also our consciousness, we can't escape it. It's always there. It's always present. And through our spiritual discipline, we can move beyond the mind. But when we come back into our body, our mind is also there, our body and our mind, until we're free. We're here. And so using this time that we have to deepen our spiritual practice through making the world 
a better place through being a force of love and light and goodness in the world, um, I feel is very much a part of our dharma, part of this spiritual path and needs to um, come alive in us. And I think right now, I'm going to say it, (laughs) but I think that if this isn't coming alive in you, if your spiritual practice is really about achievement or about status or about progression, um, rather than being that force of light and love and force of good for others in the world, if it's not a path of service, of generosity, of um, being present and holding space for other opinions and differences, then I think we have a ways to go. I think we have a ways to go. And I mean, even if it is, even if it is that, right, we still have a ways to go because there's just, there can't be enough love and light and presence and patience and kindness and self-compassion, compassion for others, and being able to hold that generous space for the people you're with, the people in your life, and for strangers as well. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. And I also want to share something else really important. There's two things. One is I am extending the early bird pricing for my retreat in Turkey, June 1st to June 12th. Um, We're going to have a beautiful time of practice. You can sign up for six days or you can sign up for all 12 days. I hope you'll come for 12 days. We're going to do pranayama, meditation, asana, all of the practices, all of the tools, as well as looking at Ayurveda and also doing some coaching and self-exploration, some journaling, tuning in, asking questions, um, growing and also having a lot of fun exploring beaches, relaxation, heading out into the town, having, you know, time at cafes. Um, It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. And I would love to connect with you on site in Alachati, in uh, the Shejma area of Turkey, which is very, very close to Greece. So you can find all of that information in my bio or in the show notes, sorry. The second thing I want to tell you about is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to give back. So as you may know, I am on the board for Yoga Gives Back. And it's a charity that I love that's very close to my heart because it's doing all of the things that I feel super aligned with, empowering women, giving back to India, to women and children in India, providing scholarships for girls so they can be educated. And I am supporting Yoga Gives Back in raising money through a very special program that doTERRA, so I think many of you know about doTERRA essential oils. Um, I think we all love them. They're amazing. It's an amazing company with amazing oils, but they are doing a match. So it's a match campaign for Yoga Gives Back. And so when you donate to this campaign, it's um, the funds will go directly towards the SHE scholarship, which is scholarship for higher education. And it will go towards empowering and funding 300 girls in West Bengal 
to uh, continue their studies into higher education so that they get better job opportunities and are able to uh, live independent lives and not be, you know, forced into child marriages, which still happens in many parts of India, and also can, you know, help lift up their their families and their villages out of poverty. And so this is a really, really important scholarship program. Already through this scholarship program that Yoga Gives Back has been funding through their partner NGOs on the ground in West Bengal, um, 150 girls have graduated with college degrees, which is incredible. And these are girls who usually wouldn't get much higher than a grade seven or grade eight education in many cases. And so it's incredible. West Bengal has the highest cases of human trafficking and helping these uh, women and families to be able to keep their girls specifically in school is just one way to help stop some of these more devastating things that happen um, when people are experiencing situations of extreme poverty. So I hope that you will donate to this program. I will also add the link into the show notes here and you can also find the link um, on my Instagram bio as well. And any money that you donate, Dutera will match those funds and all of that money up to $30,000 will go directly into this scholarship fund for these girls in the West Bengal area of India. So I'm very excited about this project. It's something that um, I'm putting forth uh, in support of Yoga Gives Back and also Elena Brower, uh, who we also interviewed on the podcast. Um, you can find her interview as well. I think it was also in January or the end of December last year. She has also uh, endorsed this project with me as she's a very, very influential uh, doTERRA representative as well. So I'm really excited about it. Please donate. Please give any amount that you can give towards this. We are hoping to raise $15,000 through this project and doTERRA will match that $15,000 so that we can have a total of $30,000. And I'm so excited. There's 75 days left to raise funds and I will be offering a special online retreat for anyone who makes a donation and... Um, you'll be hearing more about it in the coming months. So this is the first time that I'm, I'm telling you about it here on our podcast. But stay tuned, more to come. Uh, so I hope that you've enjoyed this. Um, I hope it hasn't been too boring or too rambly. I feel like it was a little rambly, but hopefully you've really <laughs> enjoyed it. It's always wonderful to connect with you. And I want to leave you with a mantra from First Nations. It's a mantra that I think also is very similar to the Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya, each sound, each Sanskrit syllable is connecting to the vibration of one of the elements. So Om Namah Shivaya connects to those five elements. Om is Om, Na is earth, Ma is water, She is fire, Va 
is air and ya is the space or the sky. And so I really love that mantra. It's one of my very favorites. We chant it often in my inner circle membership when we do our chanting and pranayama classes. But this First Nations chant, I, I res- really resonated with as well because it's so similar. And I think um, I just love it when I find these similarities through things. In English, it says, the earth, my body, water, my blood, air, my breath, fire, my spirit. And so again, using those four elements, earth, water, air, and fire, earth, my body, water, my blood, air, my breath, fire, my spirit. And I think whether you're chanting in English or you're chanting in Sanskrit, Om Namah Shivaya, you know, connecting to those elements that are outside of us, but that are also inside of us and and recognizing that we are life. We are this life force. And the life that is outside of us is the life that is inside of us. The elements that are outside of us are the elements that are inside of us. And the more we can absorb our consciousness and, and really feel deep in our heart the truth of that, the truth of that reality, the more interesting this journey is going to get. How about that? <laughs> so... Um, Thank you for listening today. It was just a pleasure. And let me know. Let me know what you think. If it's if it's negative, you can send me a private message and say, Harmony, you're crazy. That was terrible. I don't know. <laughs> but if you loved it, if you really, really enjoyed this week's podcast, I would also love to hear um, either privately or publicly. <laughs> um, I'm very insecure, so... be gentle Uh, otherwise I hope to connect with you soon either in person online or offline in May I'll be in the UK and then I have this beautiful retreat in Turkey which um, I'd love to meet up with you in we have a lot of personal time there together in the beautiful hotel that we all stay at together and over breakfasts and dinners and through practice and workshops. It's it's just such an enjoyable time and on the beaches. And if not there, then I will be in Munich, Germany, June 16th, 17th, and 18th. So if you're in Europe or Germany, please head on over. That's with Ashtanga Spirit Munich. So um, a wonderful time we'll be having there too. So thank you so much for listening and Uh, tuning in today for the Finding Harmony podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon.